Welcome to the Price Hall Podcast. My name is Mike. I'm here with Ben, and we are more than honored to be joined by Doug Miller of Core Nutritionals, the whole core family. I'm not, I, I'm not sure exactly which one we want to talk about first here, uh, but Doug, this is our first time boy. As, ben, as Ben opens up a boom energy drink. So uh, America Energy, of course, as well. So Doug, welcome to the show. Thanks for having me, guys. Appreciate it. That's a funny yeah, comment. Thanks for coming. There's so many different directions we could go. <laughs> Yeah, I think everyone who listens to this podcast will know who Doug is, but maybe like a really brief introduction would be um, in order. So your first time on our show, and we do have some some ingredient geeks who follow us who might not know you, but I'm pretty sure everyone does. So how about a quick introduction, and then we wanted to get right into the uh, the crux of this uh, of this call, which would be talking about uh, the supply chain and some of the price increases we've seen lately. So can you kick it off for us? Yeah, sure. So I've been in the supplement industry for about 16 or 17 years now. So I started Core Nutritionals back in 2000 and late 2004, early 2005. I was a, a, a aspiring natural bodybuilder who um, didn't really like the options on the market. You know, at that time, everything was a prop blend. Everything was using fillers, all that stuff. And so I just wasn't happy with um, what was out there. So um, at the time I was doing economic litigation consulting was my day job. It was kind of some nerdy stuff. And, uh, you know, I was in meetings all the time, so I needed a meal replacement. I didn't want to take the myoplex or the, you know, the Metrex or any of that stuff with the Malto. So we created MRP core MRP, which is our kind of slow digesting blend of, uh, um, uh, carbohydrates and proteins. And that was the first product at the end of the day, you know, it's just, creating products around what I wanted to use with some principles of transparency, efficacy, um, you know, no prop blends, things that other people at the time were not doing. So I started Core Nutritionals with a $20,000 investment of my own money and kind of grew organically as I became more successful in natural bodybuilding, eventually winning two world championships in 2009 and 2014. Um, And that's when the brand really kind of took off because right around that time in 2013, I decided to get rid of the golden handcuffs of the corporate world and kind of go all in on the brand. Um, At that period of time, I also had one retail store called Arlington Nutrition Corner. And again, I created the store because at the time uh, in my neighborhood, all there were were the GNCs and the vitamin shops. And there was no good mom and pop providing superior service and uh, more brands and a full on experience. Um, So we started Arlington Nutrition Corner back in 2010. And um, as soon as I left my day job in 2013, we quickly started opening up more stores. So kind of fast forward to uh, 2018, we created another brand, which is Miracle Labs, which was our uh, tongue in, like patriotic tongue in cheek. Um, there you go. Uh, brand. The, the idea behind that was more of a marketing and a um, kind of a eye-catching brand compared to core, but sticking to the same core principles of like the highest quality products, you know, over the top dosing based on uh, real science. Um, But, you know, maybe somebody will buy it for the first time just because they, you know, the the patriotic label resonates with them, but they'll keep coming back to buy it because of the quality of the product, like the other core products. So that brand kind of went viral in, that was actually 2017. And then we, in 2018, we launched uh, America Energy, which is uh, basically the spinoff of America Labs. That's our energy drink company, which uh, was really gaining really good traction until COVID came and, you know, our supply chain and our distribution chain got crushed. 
Um, that was the one brand that really took a hit during COVID. So we took this past year as uh, the opportunity to basically rebrand. Um, and that's what we rebranded, what you see Ben drinking. And then in 2019, I started a partnership with Julian Smith, and that's Arms Race Nutrition. So Arms Race Nutrition is, again, a brand that all our brands stick to the same core principles, of the quality and the, the science and the formulation behind the products. Um, but this was an influencer-based brand. So we wanted to create an influencer-based brand that stood on its own. So let's say Julian goes out and gets hit by a bus tomorrow, God forbid. We want the brand and the quality of the products to still move the product and get people excited, not just the influencer, right? The other influencer brands out there, they have really strong influencers that do have a lot of influence on people and they, they move a ton of product, but there's really not much substance to those products. And so we wanted to do it what we feel is the right way, right? Um, so that's Armtrace. So it's those four brands and then the nutrition corners, um, are, are really growing for us. We have 11 going on 12 stores and we might have as many as 13 or 14 in the next six months. Um, and so we have a great leadership team in place for the nutrition corners. Uh, we have 11 in Virginia. Uh, the 12th will be our first one in North Carolina where we just moved our headquarters. So in a nutshell, that's what I got going on. <laughs> What's really impressive me, I was trying to keep up with the timeline for a little bit that even with that corporate job, you were opening brick and mortar stores. I mean, that's, that had to, I mean, that just logistically to me, that seems like the toughest part of the while working the corporate job. Yeah. So we don't have much, um, when you get some young employees that like will work 40 hours a week, 45 hours a week, and they complain and they're like, man, 50 hours a week. And you know, they, they, they want to be promoted to like CEO in year two um, we don't have any tolerance for that. It's not part of our core values. And, it, and part of that stems from my experience. Like I, I worked 50, 60, 70, 80 hours a week doing consulting. And on the side, I was trying to build these brands. Granted, I didn't know what the heck I was doing, but I was trying, you know, like I was trying to figure it all out myself. And so I was working an additional, you know, 20, 30, 40 hours a week, uh, trying to build the brands and run nutrition corners. Um, you know, I drove my wife completely insane because at the same time I was um, trying to compete on top of all of it. Um, <laughs> Did you have kids at that point too? Not, so we, we don't have much tolerance for people that complain or don't have a high threshold for pain. Um, so you either, you either, we either know you're going to fit in when you come here right off the bat, or um, we know you're going to fail. So you're either going to succeed wild, like amazingly, or you're going to fail. There really is no in-between. It's wild. Um, so, and, and what's really, I think one of the big things that kind of sticks out to me is you mentioned having a background in economics, some, some sort of corporate, you know, you went to college and actually prepared. You're not just a, a meathead that decided to open a brand after your name. So you clearly were prepared for some of the hurdles and some of the more nuanced parts of running businesses, which is what's helped you kind of get to this point that you're at. Um, it almost seems like there's a synergy between a lot of the businesses, especially the fact that you own a a, a, a chain of stores. I'm sure that helps out a lot. Um, has, do you feel like there's been a, an evolution? Cause it seems like you had core, which has the least amount of marketing. And then at the end you have an influencer brand, which seems to be almost the antithesis of what core is. Yeah. So, you know, so I went to school, I actually studied biochemistry and molecular biology, and I had a uh, double major in economics. So I actually knew way more about biochemistry than economics when I left, but then I started doing economic consulting 
and I didn't really use the biochemistry except for on my own, right? Like I was still kind of researching bodybuilding and supplements and all that stuff. So yeah, I mean, I didn't really have a mentor starting off, right? I didn't know anything about business. I didn't know anything about the supplement industry. I didn't know how the supply chain works. I didn't know all that. And at the end of the day, it was literally just uh, me trying things. And now it's us, but then the beginning was me, right? Like me trying things and failing and then trying them again and doing them better and learning from that and continuing to just reinvest in those brands. And then, yeah, there is an evolution, right? Because the market doesn't stay the same. Mm-hmm. People want to see different things. Um, and so we're learning as we're going. And so that, that's why we do have three different brands. They are all marketed differently. Um, a lot of times we have customers that overlap, um, but there are different, I mean, it's a huge market and it's growing. So why couldn't we have multiple brands, you know? Um, and so, yeah, it, it's been a learning experience, right? Like, I feel like we're finally getting it, but at the same time, we really have no idea still the end game. Like, I don't, I don't, you know, claim to be some genius, right? Like I work hard. I have great people that, you know, follow one of our, you know, core values, which is just, we know how to figure things out. Right. And that's the most valuable thing. Mm. And we're super passionate about what we do and we love what we do. So that's how we become successful. But yeah, it's an evolution. It really is. It's like, and, and then it's just more opportunity for us to learn, which keeps us hungry and keeps it fun. So um, yeah, I mean, it, it's, it's definitely every year something different, you know, pops up and we learn from it and we apply it and we get better. So, so you- I was going to ask you're, you're, so you're, you're definitely killing it, but um, is there anything you do differently or any like mistakes that are fun to highlight without hurting the ego too much? <laughs> Some of them I don't even know if I want to talk about on the podcast. Right. You're right. <laughs> um, yeah. I mean, like, you know, there, there are, there's winners and losers and luckily we've had more winners than losers. Right. Right. Um, but specifically, no, I mean, I wouldn't be where I am today mm-hmm. without going through that process. And I think we are in a better position to be successful at whatever we decide to do now, because I went through this, you know, all of that the past 10 years or 15 years. Right. So if you kind of just, if it's, if you just kind of start something and it just goes on a rocket ship, like you kind of you kind of miss out. Ours was a slow growth with some spikes and then a slow growth with some spikes. Um, and for me, um, it was very similar to bodybuilding, right? It's like, I didn't want to just load up on a ton of gear and blow up and then lose it and then blow up and lose it. Right. Like I'm in it for the long game, the long steady growth through my career. And, uh, we've kind of applied that to the businesses and I really wouldn't change it. You know, like I, there's, we've made some mistakes, but there's been nothing catastrophic, um, and we're better for it. So, um, there's nothing really I wouldn't change. So you've had all this evolution, all this growth, and uh, I'll bring out a bit of an icebreaker here. You're going to be the first brand that we're going to publicly come out here and, and note. Uh, you mentioned supply chain issues. You mentioned America Energy suffering last year, but you've grown from that. You're going to be the first brand that comes out and publicly says you're raising the prices of your proteins. Um, and I, I also understand it's probably not the only ingredient that's going to be a problem in the next year. Tell, can you tell us how you came to this realization and, and really how this is happening? Well, there really wasn't another choice. <laughs> and, you know, sticking with what we do as a brand and something that I'm proud of is it, it's transparency, right? So we've been telling people, we told, we told people a month ahead of time, 
we knew this was coming. So we put, drew the line in the sand on September 1st, right? But we gave all our good retail partners and all our direct-to-consumer people a heads up. Listen, this is coming. We're going to try to mitigate it as much as we can. Um, we don't have an option. We are a for-profit business. We have a ton of overhead. Like, we can't sell protein at a loss. That's not what we do. It's just, it's just not. I know some people might choose to do that, but that's not how I run a business. Um, and so we've eaten as much as we can, and we are going to increase the price of September 1. So if you want to stock up, you're in a position to stock up. We let people do that. Um, and I think that was the best way to do it. Some people have already raised their prices. We might be the first ones to publicly say it, mm -hmm. but prices have already crept up because we're on the retail side. So us having a chain of retail stores, we see. So like I talked to Trey, who's our assistant general manager, who does a lot of the buying and Naomi. And I'm like, okay, so where are we seeing the pricing? Increase? Oh, like we were already seeing five, $7 here, $3 here. There wasn't some big announcement. Um, it just so happens that, you know, you know, over 11 stores, if you see your, 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 your margin go down by a half a percentage point over a lot of transactions, that's a significant, like that, that makes me aware that, okay, where are we losing our margin? Are we just changing the basket of goods we're selling? Or is it really like people are raising their, you know, their prices to us and people are raising their prices. So it's going to happen sooner or later. Some people, like if you're a direct to consumer brand only, which we are not, um, maybe they could eat more of it, but at the end of the day, you know, we still, we do a lot of direct to consumer business on the core side and the arms race side. Uh, but we're still way more wholesale. So like, you know, we're two thirds or more wholesale, right? So we're not selling at that full price. So we don't have as much margin on the wholesale side. So when we raise prices, we have to keep in mind our good partners and make sure that we can get them to a, at a price point to them where they're still motivated to sell it. So we, we looked at these numbers and crunched these numbers a lot of ways, but I mean, we literally were seeing 65 to 70% increases in landed cost to us. So just think about that. So if something cost us $10, right? We are now getting it at $17. Like, that's insane. Like, how do you not raise your prices, right? Like, that's a great way to go out of business, right? Like, we want to continue to grow. And I will say that, you know, we've been monitoring our, you know, direct to consumer and our wholesale business for the last 15 days. And people are still buying protein, right? They're still buying protein without a coupon code. They're still going to our retailers because our retailers continue uh, to buy protein from us. So um, it's just, the way the inflation is going, I think people realize they still need their gains. They still need their protein. And, you know, um, now we've done some things. We've also doubled down. We're, we're doing more research in vegan and uh, trying to kind of build out our vegan line, which has an amazing tasting line of vegan. So we're trying to grow that flavor, uh, those flavor profiles in that, that line so that people have an alternative choice because uh, the price increases aren't hitting vegan as much, you know, maybe a little bit through plastics and such, but uh, not near as much as a whey product. Um, so we just were really transparent about it, right? And I think people, I think people understand. And some people, we might price out of some people, but our loyal consumer knows how much effort and um, we put into our products, the quality of our products, the taste of our products, and uh, they're still going to want it. And we're committed to reducing the price. This isn't, this isn't something we want to do. 
right? Like we want to make products more affordable for people. So we want to, as soon as we see some, you know, cost savings, we're going to pass it on. Um, so this is not something that's going to last forever. Um, I hope, right? But we just don't know. We just don't know. And they're, you know, like they're saying it could still continue to increase through Q1, right? Like maybe a little bit relief in Q1. Well, that won't kind of really circulate into the market until late next year. So uh, we couldn't wait around, right? Like we couldn't just hope for the best and say, okay, price is going to be 70% higher for the next three months. And let's hope it goes down then. That would be three months where we literally lost money, right? Like, or we're losing out on profit. So it was just the right business decision, I think. I guess we'll find out in a year from now. Um, but we're all pretty confident. And I think having great relationships with our retailers and our, even our regular clients, consumers, um, it, no one has really kind of lost their mind over it. I think this has been in the last year, a really big gut check, but also a big point where a lot of brands have been able to speak more directly with their consumers and uh, really relate to them. Uh, consumers have seen toilet paper shortages. They've seen shortages in other industries. We all can relate and we understand it's, it's tangible. We see it. So when someone like you, Doug, who is a visible consumer facing entity, like when you speak and you say, Hey, we are having this issue and we're asking you to understand this. It's way more relatable. You know, it's, it's not out of the blue. Like I think a lot of Americans are seeing this coming. Yeah. I mean, and, and just to be clear, it's like, and, and we are really trying to eat margin here, right? So if we get a 70% increase in the price, right, we're not trying to stay margin percentage neutral, here, mm. right? Like we'd have to raise the, you know, our, the price of our product 70%, right? We're not even doing that. We're not even trying to stay dollar neutral. Meaning like if we used to make $5 on an item, we're not even trying to make $5 this time. We're trying to get back to close to that so we can stay in business, but we're eating a lot of it. So we're doing the best we can. So we're trying to find that happy middle ground where we continue to, can continue to grow. Um, because over the past year, we, we joke internally. I joke with Pat or Pat jokes with me, I guess. It's like, bro, we're becoming a protein brand. He's like, we move so much protein. I'm like, well, that's great. Um, it's great until protein prices go up 70%. Um, but yeah, so I mean, it was just a decision we had to make. And I, I, I think our consumer does understand yeah, they do. I mean, we're, we're seeing anyone who goes to the grocery store sees prices of meat, poultry, beef, all that's going up. Gasoline is going to continue to go up. So it's obvious that something's happening here. Um, going back, come on, folks, coupon code price pop. Don't forget to use your coupon. But also, um, so it seems like this is more dairy based, though, or more whey based. Do you have any like, but it's, if it's not vegan based, what is what do you think is the story behind some of that? It's like, I, I'm not I'm assuming the cows are still making milk. So, I mean, it's I'm obviously- not. <laughs> I'm not. <laughs> I mean, for real, but it, I mean, honestly, China has a lot to do with it, right? Like the demand, even the demand domestically for milk products, everyone's at home drinking freaking milk and eating cheese, right? It like, it, yeah. it's, it's really a very strong demand thing. Um, you know, the, the increases, the exports to China, uh, I mean, cause they use whey products in like swine feed and all sorts of other things, not just like human consumables, um, like the amount of exports, I forget the exact percentage, but how much it's grown over the last 12 months is insane. Right. So there's those, uh, shortages, the increase in demand, it's a combination of all of those things. 
um, where the whey products are, you know, definitely getting hit the most, the dairy. Um, and again, that's why we're looking at other types of protein. I just never was a fan of like beef, but even beef protein is going to be, you know, going up some. So, um, yeah, it's just, it, it's a crazy time in the dairy industry. Have you considered, because you use this in your post and it's something that uh, we kind of joke around with Nutrition 21 about, have you considered using Velocitol a little bit more strategically with the data that it can give you a better response with less protein? I think people are skeptical. I love Velocitol. Yes. I, yeah, I, yeah. Wouldn't put it, I wouldn't put it, put it in post if I didn't like it. Um, but I think your average consumer might be skeptical on that, especially totally. our consumer who is educated, right? Like we feel like we, we do have to educate, like our, our consumer is a little more educated. So if we told them about Velocitol and showed them the studies like we do, th they would get it. But I think people are so ingrained of drinking, you know, uh, a 25 gram protein scoop, right? Like they're so ingrained in doing that, that if you put 15 grams of protein in, in a serving of protein, uh, like a, a whey, it would be a turnoff to a lot of people. Um, I understand that. Definitely an option. And I think it would be, uh, you know, a decent option. It's just, I just feel like we would get pushback on that because then we're kind of, people would think we're lessening our products. Um, and that goes against, you know, what we do. Right. And well, zooming out from Ben's question, then have you considered uh, changing any formulations based upon supply chain or prices or do you keep where you're at? And then That's a good question. I'm trying to think if the answer, cause like I, off the top of my head, the answer is no. Um, we have, and this is something that I should probably share as well, is that we have eaten significant price increases in like all our pre-workouts. So like we're that. talking Caffeine. 10 to 20, 10 to 20% pricing, 10 to 15% price increases, which is significant mm -hmm. in a pre-workout because of citrulline, because of creatine. And we use creatine like mono in so many of our pre-workouts, um, like citrulline and creatine, uh, those two alone, have caused really big price increases and we haven't changed our prices, right? We just, we, we don't bring a $44.99 pre-workout to $49.99. We just eat it, right? We don't bring a $39.99 pre to a $44.99. We've just eaten it. So I think at the end of the day, the answer is no, but it does make new formulation makes you think a little bit, you're kind of thinking a little bit more because that initial quote that you get is significantly higher than what you would expect. So I think in the new formulation realm, yeah, we, we kind of keep it in mind a little bit, but if it's going to affect the uh, efficacy of the product in any way, it's just not something we do. Then we just don't bring out the product. Maybe now is not the right time to bring out that product. And I'd rather continue to grow the SKUs that we do have out until it is a viable product. But I don't want to bring out something that's pixie dusted or, you know, skimps on something that I think is important. Yeah, we might yeah, look looking at boom here. Boom here. The, the two ingredients you called out, L-citrulline and creatine, are literally 11 of the 20.4 grams of material. So yep. it looks like you're, you're not, getting unlucky. It's not there. a cheap pre-workout. <laughs> and, and in fact, you know, that, that uh, mat price, a minimum advertised price of $39.99 on that formula is that's aggressive. That's, that's aggressive. Uh, and we did that on purpose. Um, but yeah, that's, that's not a cheap product. Yeah, I know we're, we're not here to like do a, a, a pre-workout review, but folks, I've been like slow sipping on this stuff almost on a daily basis. You get your creatine, but then um, the ashwagandha is making it feel good. You have a timed release or a delayed release caffeine kick in there. And uh, I can't say enough good things about Boom, especially this Daytona Beach flavor. So 
yeah, keep it, keep it the way it is if you can. Yeah. I mean, that's one of the, so I have access to a ton of pre-workouts. We have a ton of pre-workouts under the brand right. and that for the last probably two or three weeks, that's been my go. That, that's the one that I keep kind of leaning towards right now. Um, yeah, I go through phases of where I'll, it'll be fury or harness or, you know, something else zone or something like that. But right now I'm on the, I'm on the boom kick. Mm-hmm. Look, are you a creatine mono guy? Cause this has been a discussion I've been having too. I'm strictly mono, but with the increases in pricing and the lower availability, I've been theorizing that hydrochloride might be a little bit more the way to go. I'm not a fan of hydrochloride. I'm not against it, but I'm curious about you. Cause I see a lot of mono with you. I've always preached mono. I've always yeah. preached mono. Um, I will say that we use a different form of creatine in our upcoming released Australian version of Fury, which we're launching um, uh, in October. Mm-hmm. So that one is a different formula, a little lower stim. There's some added performance. And then we, we swapped out the creatine mono um, uh, for creatine MagnaPower. And the reason, one of the main reasons is we work very closely with Massive Joe's who's our exclusive distributor down there. And he really liked it. And at the end of the day, it does make the mouth feel better because creatine in a pre-workout, five grams is a lot. It can be a little bit gritty. Um, and this pre-workout has a even better mouth feel than Fury, which has like 25 grams of active. Um, you know, so, you know, we, we do have use a different version, but for the most part, if you had to ask me, I'm a creatine mono, you know, it's like the most studied, it's one of the, you know, it's been around for so long. It works. Um, I used to be able to say it's inexpensive, uh, which it's not anymore because <laughs> it's 3X. But um, yeah, I'm a big creatine mono person. Cool. Yeah. I th- <clears throat> it seems like a lot of these ingredients, ironically, like citrulline, creatine, caffeine, like like classic stuff, might have to start looking at other options possibly. Uh, whereas in the past, I think I'm a lot like you where it's just like, look, these are just simple and they work and there's no reason to look for more complicated things. There might be some reason to soon. Yeah, I mean, it's it's gonna be difficult because those are really the backbone of the pre-workout category. Um, and they, because they're simple and they work. Right? Yeah. I think some yeah. people, uh, formulation is, I, you know, it's, it's a science, but it's a lot of art too. And that's what people don't recognize everyone, every bro, every, every bodybuilder thinks they can formulate. I'm going to make this sick pre-workout with 40 grams of active, bro. It's going to be amazing. It's going to cost $99. Um, but like, there's way more, there's a lot of art to it. And, um, you know, so I just think you have to be very selective in your ingredients and you got to really try your product, like actually taste it and actually use it. Um, and then there's still a lot of good options out there. You can make an affordable pre-workout one. I think it's kind of funny, uh, circling back, you, you kind of mentioned before that you guys have been recently like figuring things out, but you, you're talking about like formulating as an art form. Um, in the la- in 2019, 2020, you guys came out with a lot of new SKUs. Uh, they're talking like Blaze, Sear, like all these big things. And, and people praise you guys a lot for it. But I kind of kept being like, when I met Patrick, I think I met Patrick in 2017 or something. Like we were up at SUPS doing a tour. I saw your fear of guys' brand for the first time. The formulas like haven't gotten better. Like they, they were always great. Uh, they were in a different bottle, but you guys always pushed yeah. the limits. You had always had a lot of solid stuff. Um, yeah. And that, that goes back to the core value of yeah. why I started the brand in the first. So when I say figuring it out, and I use that term kind of flippantly, I, I'm not 
like we're still figuring it out. That's what Carl, our general manager, says. We're still figuring it out. Oh, we're still figuring it out. Um, but at the end of the day, yeah, I mean, our formula, that, that is what has really marked core has been innovative and very high quality formulation. I would say if there's like one thing that core does extremely well from day one, um, it would be formulation. Yeah. Right? And that's something that we've always done well. I think when we talk about figuring it out, it's, I mean, running these organizations, you know, in an eight figure company is there's a lot of moving parts. There's a lot of team involved. There's a lot of HR involved. There's a lot of IT involved. There's a lot of all of this stuff. Right. And we joke like, you know, Carl's the IT guy in the HR department and I'm the, you know, like like everyone does everything. Right. But we're figuring it out. And, um, you know, that's just a growth. It's just a growth thing. Um, but the, the, the formulas have always been there, but I think it's more on the marketing side and the branding side is where we've started to learn a lot. Yeah. I, I just want about... to give you, give you guys that. Yeah. Sorry, Mike. No, I was going to ask. So a lot of people listening might be like, oh, I want to work. I want to work for that guy. It sounds like my kind of company. Are you, uh, it, we never really said the date is September 14th of 2021, but are you hiring slash in general? Like how does one begin working with a Doug Miller brand? So we have or- a, so we have a non-traditional hiring. I figured. Um, <laughs> so at, at the end of the day, this is this is our take on things. Now you have to have a, some set of skills. So like if we are looking for somebody who's going to do web design or graphic design, right? Like mm-hmm. clearly you need somebody trained in web design or graphic design or coding or something like that, right? But for the most part, so once you kind of you know you, know, you establish that part. We really hire more people than positions, if that makes sense. Mm. Because like, as I was saying, how we joke that, oh, he's the HR department and the IT department or whatever. We look at capable people. We look for capable people who are very passionate. And first and foremost, they know how to figure it out, right? Like, I didn't know how to do this when I started. I figured it out. Patrick didn't know how to do this when he started. I literally said, guess what? You just became national sales director for Core and America Labs. Have fun with it. And he figured it out, right? So what the way we hire is we find the right people that fit our core values and we get them on the bus, as we say. We get them on the bus and then together as a team, we determine where we go on that bus, right? So that sounds good, but really like that's what we do. I got another, I got a guy I, we're hiring, he's coming in here and I said, listen, I don't know exactly what you're going to do, but right now we're opening a new gym. I know you're passionate about the brands. I know you have skills. I know you can figure things out. Why don't you come in here and help me open the gym and we'll give you a thousand things to do and we'll find your position for you when you get here. Right. And he said, you know what? Great. I'm picking it up and I'm moving. I'm going to move from Chicago in October and I'm, I'm your guy. Right. And we've done that with so many people. Like that's just how we hire. So, um, Unless it's a very specific technical skill, obviously, um, that's generally how we hire. And I know that sounds weird. That's kind of like weird, but like, I really don't look at education. Um, I look at the ability to figure it out. Show me how you have figured it out. Right. And, um, you know, that's how you'll get hired. I think it makes absolute sense uh, in an industry where there is no, like, there's no playbook for this. Um and and for, for the record, I've never met anyone that figures things out more than Patrick. 
<laughs> like I've I've visually watched him figure things out before. Like your team just they're like hard headed, stubborn workers, and it's it's awesome. Yeah, yeah. I mean, like our inside sales manager, because our new guy who's starting in the gym, he's not. Uh, well, Dave, you know Dave, right? Yeah. So I was like, man, we got to get like some type of computer system, POS system to run a gym management. Like, you know, again, we're just figuring it out. We're opening a gym. And so he's on it. So he's got, he's got this in now. He's, he's basically fully figured out how to manage the entire software and all that stuff, but he does nothing. He has nothing to do with the gym world, right? Like he's an in our inside sales manager and customer service, but he just stepped up and he's like, Hey man, I'm going to figure it out. So like, that's what my core team, no pun intended. That's what they're good at doing. Yeah. And speaking of like figuring it out, you guys entered into GNC you're, you're with an exclusive partnership. I don't yep. think you or Julian has ever worked with GNC before nope. you hire we'll one, <laughs> you hire one sales outside <laughs> sales rep, you buy him a van with Julian on it. And you have one, like ha, how many GNC brands have one outside sales rep that covers the whole country? It's, it's incredible. So David is a great story. So, so, so David came on, he was actually a GNC employee. And he was always, we were supposed to go do an event at his store for the 2020, like Arnold Classic. We were, Julian was coming and all that, and it was canceled, right? But I still showed up and I went in there and I met him face to face. And I, as I walked out of there, I said to Patrick, we're going to hire this guy. I don't know where. I, I actually wanted him. I said, hey, you want to come work for the nutrition corners? Uh, is what I said, honestly. Uh, GNC might not like that. but um, And he kind of just kind of laughed it off. Well, he pitched his position to me a year later. And he said, Doug, he's like, I think I can help you. Here's what I want to do. And so I was like, okay, I listened to him. And I was like, okay, now show me the numbers. And so literally I, he came back a day later and he goes, okay, this is how much the car is going to cost. This is what I want for a salary. This is what I want. Uh, this is how much I need for travel. This is how much I need for gas. This is how much I need for car stock and all this. And I'm going to, I'm going to, preach arms race from the top of my van all over the country. And we're going to grow this thing. I said, I looked at the numbers and they seem legit. And I was like, talk to Julian. And we're like, all right, let's go. Let's do it. Right. And David has been at a massive asset to the brand. Right. Cause uh, you know, Julian's got a huge following, but a million people in a country of 330 million is nothing. Right. So there's a lot of people that walk in, who don't even know Julian that might need to be educated on their product. So Dave has started leading up that, you know, heading up that education process. And I'll tell you what, I'll take David over five reps from any other company. It, like that's the value that he adds. And you know what? He didn't know what he was doing. He's figuring it out. I think that should be the title of this podcast. Just figuring it, it out, out with core nutritionals or figuring out with Doug Miller. <laughs> I love it. That that is exciting. So uh, yeah, I think the other question we wanted to talk about was the fact that you are going back into brick and mortar, whereas a lot of companies are retracting or distribution and going direct consumer only. You are attacking a lot of that stuff, and are you filling up some gaps that people are leaving, or what? What happened? Yeah. So uh, I think you meant distribution, not so. So we're in brick and mortar. Right, so right. Yes. So let's flash back about four years. Uh, Core was actually distributed through Muscle Foods. And at the time, we didn't really know how to manage that relationship. It's, it's always a little bit of a weird relationship when your distributor might feel that 
you're trying to steal customers, which isn't what we do, but like, you know, reps get territorial, like, Hey man, I, I see that I sell energy drinks to that company or, or to that retail store. And I also see they have core product, but they don't get the core product from us. I was like, okay, well, that's been our account for 10 years, you know, like, so there was some of that, which, um, and, and also we were finding that since core is an education brand, meaning a lot of times it's not like a marketing first brand, it's more of an education brand. We were doing all the work to educate anyways, yet we were handing over a bunch of margin to a, a middleman. So in 2000, I think it was like late 2017, we decided to pull from distribution. We decided to pull from muscle food. And it was a great decision. I mean, and it was very, we still have a great relationship with muscle food. We still work with them on the America side. I think there was a mutual understanding that it was the best thing to do. So, um, you know, flash forward to 2020, we did the rebrand. I mean, the brand grew. I mean, we had a record year in 2020 when, you know, a lot of things slowed down, but we kept going and pushing. And then coming into 2021, we had so much good momentum and we continued to grow that it was really um, after Europa went through the financial difficulties that they did, right? They basically had a restructuring and had to start over. They got some investment and they had to start over. Uh, they wanted to trim down the brands that they carry and get some fresh blood in there. So we were approached by Europa um, to be distributed through them. And you know, a lot of people will say like, oh man, why would you do that? You know, like, you know, occasionally sometimes a retailer would be like, man, you know, now I'm, they're going to get core everywhere and it's just going to, I'm not going to be able to sell it, which the podcast I just did, our boss status podcast, the title was small business, not small mindedness. And I think a lot of retailers get stuck in the idea that, you know, um, certain decisions made or like everybody's out to get there. Every decision is going to ruin their business. But at the end of the day, like, don't you think that we had all you guys in mind, which I'm speaking to retailers here, like who are two thirds of our sales. Like, don't you think we had you in mind when we made this strategic decision? And what we did is because we learned from our previous distribution relationship, we put processes in place to make sure that anything that a, a small mom and pop retailer could say that this is a bad decision, we would have something to answer them to. And so what I mean, what do I mean by that? I mean by that is one, they're not allowed to sell to any third party uh, platform, Amazon, Walmart, eBay. So Europa has controls in their system where if any one of their, you know, their people they sell to has that, they get flagged. Like you can't even create an invoice with a core product on it that go to them. So they're immediately, that's not going to happen. We have full control over all the Amazon through one specific uh, route. So your pricing will be controlled on these third-party platforms, which sometimes can get out of hand and hurt retailers. Okay, so we got that covered. The other thing is, is like we try to preach the idea of we don't give exclusives, but sometimes we have really good retail partners where they might have another retail partner right down the street for them that the only reason they want to carry a brand is to literally destroy the brand, like undercut them and steal customers, which at the end of the day is going to hurt us as well as that retail. So if we have uh, talking to our retailers, if there's a specific customer out there where we don't want to sell it, again, we flag them in the system through a lot of communication with Europa. And then they are like blacklisted. Like you can't even create an invoice. You can't even force an invoice to them. Right. So um, all the map policies are communicated. And then the other thing, which was big for us in a business decision is 
listen, we've spent 15 years building up our industry goodwill and our retailers, right? We're not going to go into distribution and turn over accounts to you unless it makes sense for us. So don't expect us to go into Europa and say, okay, here's 200 accounts that you guys should start servicing now. And then we lose all that margin and profit, right? It was very clear. We had that discussion up front and the discussion was, they're not going to do that. They're not going to expect us to turn over accounts unless it makes sense. Like you have a little mom and pop that just needs $200 worth of stuff. Like that's not even really worth our time to fulfill. So it might make sense for Europa to do it when they ship them energy drinks and other stuff too, right? So like in that case, they could help us. But at the same time, we're committed to Europa that if you bring your relationships and open new doors for us, we're not going to go in there and steal those doors from you, right? Like that's just reciprocity. Like that's the way that it should work in a good partnership with open communication. And that was very clearly communicated, you know, openly and upfront. And the idea, our idea, and directly from Europa's mouth is their goal with core is to open new doors, put us into places where we're not already, or don't already have those relationships, put us into Dick Sporting's goods, right? Put us into Academy sports. And at the end of the day, that should actually help the mom and pop because pricing will be protected and there'll be more brand awareness around core. So now when the person that comes into core, uh, into your retail store, who might not have known core before, they'll now know core and there'll be a discussion to be had, right? And it's not like they can go to, I'm just making up these places, but Academy Sports, they can't go to Academy Sports and buy it for cheaper than what you should be selling at because we protect our retailers. So we've really, the other thing is, I should add, any retailer that is a brick and mortar that also has an online site themselves gets flagged and we have to get, we get notified that this brick and mortar with a retail store, we have to basically give them a thumbs up, okay, right? Because then that will be put it on our list. We want to have control over where the brand is going. So we know that that website will now have it. And that's a place that we can police to make sure that, you know, map pricing is being made um, or met. So we've put a lot of safeguards in place and have thought a lot about this decision where really for us, it was a total upside decision, right? What is the worst that can happen? We don't move very well through Europa. Okay. Like we still have all these great relationships with retailers. We still have a lot of direct consumer. Why not continue to grow the brand through another avenue? I know that was a, a mouthful, but that's, that's a lot that we had to think about. No, that was actually really great. Uh, I have to say like when, when brands go into Europa, I quite often am receiving like a, a lot of the ranting from brands when they, uh, or stores, when they see something going there. So you've really yeah. negated every single negative comment that I've ever heard. Uh, the only, because uh, these brands, these stores do not now have to purchase through Europa instead of you. So their prices aren't increasing. They don't have to worry about map. Map is a huge problem in the industry right now. We actually help brands with map because of our online technology. And that that's negated for you. It's, it's all positive. It's going to grow brand awareness. They're going to have more customers coming in that recognize the brand. And overall it's, it's, it's a win-win for everyone. Yeah. Uh, it seems like it's putting you in a great position to build a great relationship with Europa as well. You know, we've, I don't want to condemn anyone, but we've heard, you know, Europa has not done as well the last couple of years. So I'm sure having a great partner like Core can strengthen their ability to build. 
I mean, that's what we're hoping, right? Like we want to be a good partner for them. And, you know, we, we had to make the decision, like, cause they're a, a, a big partner for us for American energy, right? Like we don't distribute our energy drinks, right? Like we don't want to be in the game of shipping water. So for America, they're a very, they're a very key partner for us in that distribution. So we do have a very great relationship with uh, the guys over there. Right. And, you know, I, I think it could, is only going to help us. And it, it's all comes down to, it's like any relationship. It's communication. As long as James and Patrick and Dave and all those guys can like have open communication with the reps who they have, they have great people. Like it's great because they're 45 minutes down the road from us now. So that was another decision for us that like, Hey, you know, a couple times a month, like Pat's going to be down in there sitting in their office working, you know? Um, so it just, it, it just, as long as there's open communication, um, I think it's going to be a total win for us. Yeah. Speaking of figuring it out, Pat called us one time. He's like, Hey, I'm going to be like a minute late to the meeting. Cause I'm delivering the America energy myself to Europe. Like being that close has a lot of strategic benefits. I bet. Yeah. I mean, so the other thing about hiring is we make everyone do five jobs until we hire one more person. So that's general. <laughs> that's a general rule. So that might turn a lot of people off. But I'll tell you what, you ask any employee in this building and they have a lot of fun doing what they do. And so if you're just doing the same thing, sitting at the desk same, and you know what you're going to get into every day. That's no fun. But like we had somebody out with COVID who usually drives our box truck. So we had to get those energy drinks to Europa. So, you know, Pat hopped in there. Do all of your employees also have CDLs? <laughs> No one has a CDL. Just for the record, our box <laughs> truck is 25,999 pounds. It's under the limit. That's what it says on the inside of the door. So we're good. We're good. We, we kept it. Well, awesome. one thing Patrick did say, he mentioned the word like play. You guys, you guys play a lot. Like, I'm yeah. not sure if you have a foosball table now or something along those lines, but it seems like when there is time. Groups, we got ping pong. Sometimes. I'm wondering, like, what is it, what are they actually doing out there? Like, and I just hear like the thumping on the wall and all sorts of stuff. But yeah, the the play aspect was that is Carl. So he's Carl's our general manager of our store. He always tells people you need to play in life, right? Like, and so it's kind of creepy almost, like when Carl says it because he's just kind of creepy. Um, but yeah, we like to play. We like to have fun. Well, that's awesome. Um, we've packed a lot into an hour here and I don't want to make us go on for too much longer, but, um, is outside of all of these things we've dropped and talked about, is there anything you're excited for next three, six, nine months that, you know, we could touch on the next 10 minutes? Yeah. So we are just now getting settled into this new building. So we have about 32,000 square feet. You guys should definitely, once we get finally settled in, you guys should come visit it. Um, one of our biggest manufacturers is taking the building next door. So they will be by Q1, they'll be up and running next door in about 65,000 square feet. Um, and so the, the synergies to have literally basically in-house manufacturing is kind of what it's going to be like. I think that opens up way more opportunities and I don't want to give anything away. And maybe this is your little tidbit, but you know, there could be other brands in the, in the future, uh, cool. because of the ability to have all the R and D and everything right at our disposal. Um, it does open up that opportunity. I mean, no, none of these brands are going to slow down. Um, so we're going to continue to pump stuff out. Um, you know, for us, we like to build community, uh, locally and, you know, around the world, whoever uses our products, but here we're opening up, finally opening up our gym, 
that it's just been a little passion project that we've wanted to do for a long time. So we have a lot of little fun things in the works, um, you know, and moving to North Carolina, not once did I regret, have I regretted yet moving, you know, from Northern Virginia. So um, we're just excited about kind of getting, getting settled in down here. So it's not quite vertical integration, but it's like a very high incline uh, diagonal integration. It brings a lot of opportunity. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. I mean, like we'll be able to, I mean, we can film content of every product yeah. run if we wanted, right? Because it's literally, I mean, looking out the window, I see it right there, the building yeah. right there. So, um, and that was the real, that was the big, big this, uh, business decision to kind of, um, kind of put us over the edge to make a decision of where we wanted to move to. Cool. Awesome. Well, Doug, I think we got a ton out of this. I cannot wait to share this with everyone. I want to say thank you. Um, this has been really cool. Uh, obviously, everyone can find uh, you know Core Arms Race Nutrition America on Instagram. But what is your Instagram if they want to find you personally? Doug Miller Pro is my Instagram. Awesome. Cool. Well, thank you so much. Uh, we should do this again soon. And absolutely, when you are open down there, I know we talked about this previously, but uh, we haven't had a call in a little bit. We want to get down there. Definitely uh, gets the opening and. Uh, crush it at the Coliseum. Yeah, buddy. Appreciate you guys. Awesome. Well, thank thanks you, so much. You too.